Why is a doctor more like a jet pilot than a ship's captain? To find out, stay tuned to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Rick Goldstein. Dr. Goldstein was intimately involved in the development of Cameron's Ark, creating a full life in collaboration with the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Hayden and Cameron Lord Foundation. He is an assistant professor of pediatrics, Boston University School of Medicine, and the associate program director of the Boston Combined Residency Program in Pediatrics. He is also the medical director of Bridge Over Troubled Waters in Boston, Massachusetts. Today we are discussing Cameron's Ark, the art of palliative care. Rick, hi, thanks for joining us. How are you today? So I started out with a riddle. Any guess as to the answer? I could be a little obtuse, so I apologize for that. Yeah, no guess at all. I have no idea. Well, my thought was a jet pilot, when the going gets tough, bails out. A ship's captain goes down with the ship. It seems like when we come to the end of life, when our patients aren't responding to what we're doing, the doctor tends to disappear. So is that sort of how Cameron's Ark came into being, or what was its real function? You know, it came into being more as an answer to something that we became aware of and weren't so comfortable with, we being the parents of Cameron. Just for sake of our listeners, could you tell us a little bit about who Cameron was and the family? That's right. So Cameron was a second-born child into the family of Blythe and Charlie Lord, neither of whom have had known risk factors for Tay-Sachs disease. And months into her life, she had not suppressed her startle. And more than that, her cousin, who was the son of a twin brother of Charlie Lord, was diagnosed with Tay-Sachs. And then we put it together that, that Cameron herself had Tay-Sachs disease. And that was a powerful experience for myself and for the Lords. And in my teaching capacities, we'd always found it really helpful for medical students and residents to talk about our experience. This was after Cameron had died and we'd had some time to reflect on it. And more than that, we were being invited and had spoken in some larger meetings. And we found that with time, we noticed that we were saying the same things again, and somehow that didn't really feel true to how special the experience was to catch yourself saying things over and over again in your head and have that sort of critical voice inside our heads. And so the idea came up to put together this video to solve that problem and still be available for questions and conversations, but not so much in the actual presentation of what we thought were important elements of the case. When you said going over things in your mind, you're talking about like second-guessing medical decisions, or what exactly was the thought process there? I guess people that give repeat lectures, sometimes when it's just informational, it doesn't feel tinny to sort of, I don't know, list statistics or something like that. But this is a very personal story that involved a lot of very kind of reflective uh, aspects of doctoring and parenting. And to hear yourself falling into phrases that somehow, it's not that they're easy, but they're easy to repeat, somehow felt like that's not what we were in this for, that it sort of reflected a kind of fatigue maybe in talking about this poignant event. And so we figured, let's freeze it in time, let's put it on a DVD, and let's emphasize the conversational parts of the case. So if I put the DVD in my player and listen to it, 
this would be more a personal reflection of the family, of the doctors, combination of the two? What would I learn from it? Well, so one thing that animates this project is the involvement of a group called CarePoints. CarePoints was put together by parents and professionals who were involved in end-of-life care with children who had poor prognosis, as well as children with special health care needs who were in that very uncomfortable limbo of wondering whether the next time they could get sick would be the last time and not really knowing what the horizon really was. And implicit in, in the idea of this group was that whatever we offered, the parents' voices would be on par with the doctors' voices. And in fact, a very powerful force in this coming together was a CarePoints conference that involved parents and professionals just reviewing the cases together in audiences of people that are involved in palliative and end-of-life care. And we found that it was really powerful. It was powerful because it was accessible to families, to parents, to grandparents, to people that were going through the situation, and also that it was the introduction of an important voice that many people within the confines of hospitals in particular don't necessarily get to see or hear from. So we've tried to stay true to that with the DVD. When you say voices we don't normally hear, you're talking about the parents' voices? Parents speaking in their own terms. I mean, when you have a care conference in the hospital and you're reviewing whatever the decisions are, we doctors sort of hold the agenda there. And one thing that I think people will appreciate about Cameron's Ark is that that control was given up. And so it's actually four interwoven stories talking about the same child and their involvement in this case at sort of critical junctures that we called care points. And, you know, sometimes the parents' voices were prominent, sometimes the doctors' voices were prominent, but you get a pretty full treatment of what happened at each of these moments. I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us and let them know they're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. I'm speaking with Dr. Rick Goldstein, and we've been discussing Cameron's Ark, the art of palliative care. What do you do when the parent just makes the obviously wrong decision? Well, so part of this is to move away from seeing decisions in isolation. And there's a great deal of emphasis here on the amount of time that doctors and important people in the, the care team need to spend in helping develop care goals and understanding values. In Cameron's case, that really came down to some conversations that we all had where we tried to envision what a quality of life would be like for this child. Tay-Sachs is kind of a, in some ways, it's an easier experience for the families because you sort of know how much time you have. You know that at around two, the child's going to die unless they want to be very heroic, if that's the right word, uh, and put in G-tubes and keep a child with fairly low quality of life alive with just nutrition. It reminds me of my grandmother used to say, zu viel is ungesund, too much is unhealthy. But I'm sorry, please go on. So we knew that, and this is the idea of the arc, so we knew that there was an end to this arc. We spent a lot of time talking about what would really make this life feel like a life and not just a slow decline to death. And when you do that first, I think that then decision-making happens in a context. You've created themes, you've created conversations, 
and then you can talk things through. And, and in fact, that sort of happened in this case. I don't think that it's in the DVD, but the family was really averse to the idea of a G-tube for Cameron and said very early on when we were setting up a care plan that they, under no circumstances, wanted that. What they underestimated was that Cameron's decline was hastened by pneumonias, and you can treat a pneumonia with antibiotics and a child with this low function, and they'll get better. But if you throw in some extra calories, they'll get a little bit more better. And so we went through a process where we, but I challenged them about that big decision not to use a G-tube, and they actually did for a couple of the pneumonias. At a certain point, we just sort of decided that it wasn't really worth the distress that it caused Cameron because it, it is uncomfortable to have a, an NG tube. You're director of the Combined Residency Program in Pediatrics. Do you use this DVD in teaching, and how successful have you been? We use it a lot, and I think it's a very powerful experience for the residents. Many of them go into pediatrics because of a feeling for the very intense family complexities that pediatrics offers. And I think most pediatricians really love getting in there and tangling and helping families. I truly understand that. I'm a practicing pediatrician. I do. I do. Yeah. So you can just chime in and yeah. me on that. No, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's home. Yeah. But you also probably remember that when you were in training, and it's a little bit different now, but when you were in training, so much time is spent on the wards and so much time is spent in front of computers. And in medical school, we spend a lot of time talking about the whole patient, and then we kind of beat them down a little bit during residency training. So here's a very personal whole child and whole family view of something that's really critical and important. And really, almost any subspecialty they go into and any general area will not involve many patients who will die, but will involve some. And it's it's one of those situations that once we get into conversations about it, it's clear that they really want to do it well and that they don't really feel that they're prepared to do that. So the DVD has been really helpful that way. It's a very popular thing among the residents. My avocation is theater and acting. Do you do any role playing with the residents? I mean, I know I go to a lecture and I come home with these all these takeaway messages and I'm going to do all this stuff. And then, you know, it's like, well, you know, I kind of forget about it or I don't apply it or I get too busy. How do you really involve them so they take ownership of this process? Yeah. When we produced this, there was a point where we had to decide whether we were going to leave the emotional content in there raw, whether we were going to produce it away so it felt a little bit more like a technical piece talking about certain elements of palliative care. And we decided against that and developed this, you know, it's not that we said, gee, we want to make them cry, but it, it has that much emotion that's packed into it. So much so that when the DVD is finished, we can't begin conversation right away. So facilitators know you need to take a pause and leave the room dark so that people can pull themselves together. So I think when you start from that kind of of an emotional state, that the conversation is already very different. And then the other thing that we did is we made it easy. So in Boston, we bring the Lords in. But in other places, really almost anyone that's going through such a situation could come in and find everything accessible in this DVD. How do you get the DVD? You can uh, get it from the AAP bookstore. That's the American Academy of Pediatrics, right? American Academy of Pediatrics bookstore. 
And so we really do invite in the parent voices. And I can't think of a time that we've done it just with the DVD. We've always had a parent there. That's great. Our time, Rick, has just flown by. This has been a fascinating conversation. For our listeners, the AAP Bookstore is available online. You don't have to go to the offices of the American Academy of Pediatrics. I'd like to thank Dr. Rick Goldstein, who's been our guest. And we've been discussing Cameron's Ark, The Art of Palliative Care. I leave you with the words of Isaac Asimov. Life is pleasant. Death is peaceful. It's the transition that's troublesome. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com and explore our new on-demand and podcast features. Thanks for listening. I wish you good day and good health.